At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. This morning we're beginning a Christmas sermon series we've entitled Eyewitnesses, and we're looking at several sections of the Gospels, the four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in order to witness the eyewitnesses and hear from their accounts. This morning we're in Luke chapter 1. If you have a Bible and want to follow along, the New Testament starts about three quarters of the way through, and Luke is the third book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, and we're going to look at the account of Mary and her witness of these amazing events. But I want to look first at Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, where you can see we're kind of picking up on this theme of eyewitnesses. So these are the first four verses of the Gospel of Luke. I'll read for us. Luke says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, Luke, having followed all these things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So what these few verses communicate to us is that Christianity was never meant to be pie in the sky, genie in a lamp sort of religion, just sort of made up stuff to make us feel better about life, which is oftentimes the way all of religion is perceived. But right up front at the start of Luke's gospel, he says, my intention is to compile an orderly account of the eyewitness accounts that have been shared since Jesus lived, died, and rose from the grave. Eyewitness accounts, people who beheld his work, people who heard his teaching, people who saw the empty grave. That's the intention of the gospel. It is certainly spiritual. It is certainly personal, but it is gospel. And one of those eyewitness accounts is, as I mentioned, Jesus' mother, Mary. And the accounts she passed down as the years went by. So we're looking this morning at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Brothers and sisters, hear the words of our God. In the sixth month, the the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee, a city named Nazareth. He was sent to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And Gabriel came to Mary and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But Mary was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call your son's name 
Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to Jesus the throne of his father David. And Jesus will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived the Son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the scene of this story takes place in a town called Nazareth. Nazareth is a small, seemingly inconsequential place. The movers and shakers, the influencers, lived in Rome and Athens and Jerusalem. But Nazareth was the opposite of those places. In fact, there is no record of Nazareth even existing prior to the records of the New Testament. Prior to the New Testament, there's nothing recorded in history about Nazareth, presumably because there's nothing to record. To the human eye, it was pretty out of the way and insignificant. But God has a way of doing surprising things in surprising places, and it's to Nazareth that God sends one of his holy angels, one of the generals of his angel armies. Gabriel is sent to the town of Nazareth. The angel Gabriel also shows up in the book of Daniel, chapters 8 and 9, communicating to and interpreting visions for the prophet Daniel. And Gabriel's name is pretty awesome. The name Gabriel is the combination of two Hebrew words. The first is Geber, and the second is El. So Geber means warrior or hero, And El is the Hebrew word for God. So you put the two together and Gabriel means warrior of God or hero of God. Pretty awesome. So the warrior of God angel is sent to Nazareth, but the Lord doesn't only send Gabriel to a specific place. He also sends him to a specific person. He sends this mighty warrior angel to a young Nazarene woman named Mary. So it's interesting. God's angel bearing the word and message of God doesn't go to the town's mayor or the chief priests and elders of the synagogue. He's sent to this young woman, likely still a teenager. And Luke tells us about Mary, that she is betrothed or engaged to a man named Joseph. In other words, they were set to be married sometime in the near future. And we find out that Joseph is, quote, of the house of David. In other words, Joseph, Mary's fiance, is a descendant of King David. He is of royal 
heritage going centuries back. So Gabriel comes before Mary and speaks to her. He says, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. So this is quite the salutation, right? Especially coming from the angel of the Lord. This magnificent being, and here he is speaking to this young girl, and yet he addresses her with this lofty language. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. I mean, you can almost see the angel gently bowing his head in respect to her as he says this. And Mary can tell that this is a particularly dignified address. So in verse 29, Luke tells us that she was greatly troubled at the saying, trying to discern what sort of greeting this may be. So Mary's like, wait, are you, are you talking to me? And if so, why are you talking to me like that? She's agitated, trying to figure it out, trying to discern, like, why would you speak to me in such a dignified manner, like I'm some sort of princess? Well, the angel can apparently tell that Mary is trying to figure this out, so he explains why he esteems Mary like this. His, expl his expl explanation is going to change Mary's life forever. Verses 30 through 33. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, the son of the most high. The Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. In other words, Mary, you may not imagine yourself a princess, but you are about to give birth to a king, the king of heaven, the king of the Jews, the promised son of King David. Mary then responds to this message. How will this be? Since I am a virgin. She says, this is impossible. I am not married. I haven't laid with my husband yet because he's not my husband yet. He's my fiance, so how could I get pregnant? And once more, the angel delivers just incredible information. He says, verses 34 through 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So the angel says, here's how a virgin can give birth because the life-giving Spirit of God overshadows her, sparking the life of a conceived child. The divine fetus, the son of God. And so the angel concludes there in verse 37, nothing will be impossible for God. Nothing stands in his way, not even a virgin's womb when he aims to bring his son into the world. And so here's the lesson we learn from the angel's message. When God calls, he provides. When God calls the Virgin Mary to be the mother of Jesus, he provides the power to fill her empty womb. And the same thing has been through, true throughout the story of Scripture. When God called the stuttering Moses 
to speak to and confront the Pharaoh of Egypt. When God called Moses to do that, God then provided Moses with the words and strength to do it. When God called the widowed Gentile Ruth to stand by, stand strong with your mother-in-law Naomi, When God called Ruth to that, God then ultimately provided Ruth with another husband, Boaz. And when God called Daniel, when God called Daniel to live in the pagan, godless Babylon, God then provided Daniel with the courage and wisdom to fulfill his calling. When God calls, he provides. So what is it for you? What is it that God is calling you to and you think, how will this be? Maybe God's called you into a marriage, called you to your spouse, but things are so broken and so bitter between the two of you, you think, how will this be that we stay together? Maybe God's called you to be a parent to a child or children, but you feel so inadequate and so powerless, you think, how can I be who they need me to be for them? Maybe God has called you to walk through a trial, to walk through a season of suffering, and you think, how will it be that I can make it through this? How will it be that I can persevere? What is it for you? What is God calling you to? And like Mary, you think, how will this be? Well, God's word to us this morning is that when he calls, he provides. He won't leave us hanging. He's faithful. He won't lack what we need. He's able. Indeed, nothing is impossible for him. Mary's virgin womb is not impossible for him to fill. Moses' stuttering tongue is not impossible for him to straighten. Ruth's dire circumstances are not impossible for him to solve. Daniel's powerful persecutors are not impossible for him to overcome. And the same is true for you. Whatever circumstance he's called you into, he will provide what you need. And the chief example of this, the clearest proof of God's nothing is impossible power is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The tomb of Jesus was more lifeless than the empty womb of Mary. Jesus' body was bruised, beaten, crushed, crucified, and his lifeless corpse rotted in the tomb. But nothing is impossible for God. And the crucified Jesus is now the risen King. So as you face your calling, as you face whatever trial, look to the cross and look to the empty tomb where God proved Nothing is impossible for him. And when he calls, he provides. What an incredible calling Mary received. And what an incredible truth the angel shared to encourage her. With God, nothing is impossible. Let's look 
See how she responds to this message. Verse 38. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to his word. Was the situation Mary was called to confusing for her? I'm sure of it. She expresses being perplexed in those earlier verses. Was the situation Mary was being called to scary? Again, I'm sure of it. Being pregnant the normal way usually entails an amount of fear and anxiety. And I can imagine the circumstances of her pregnancy were no different, maybe more so. Was the situation Mary was called to frustrating for her? You know, I can imagine so. I mean, she's had her plans to get married, start a family, do things the socially acceptable way. But now this seemingly random pregnancy before she's married, she may have been frustrated by some of this. Like, why me? So I'm certain Mary's calling would have, had, would have included confusion, fear, and frustration. And yet, with strength, courage, and faith, she declares, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to his word. In other words, she's saying, Lord, I don't resist you. I don't resist your calling. I am your servant. I accept your calling. In vulnerability, Mary says, I open myself to you, God. Let it be done to me according to your word. What a hero of the faith. Mother Mary, what humility, what openness, what strength in weakness. This young woman. So this is a second lesson we learn from this passage. When God calls, he provides. And when God calls, we respond. Mary's response is clear, decisive, and is a model for the kind of response God is looking for from us. I'm not sure that, I am sure that for many of us, God's calling on our lives includes confusion and fear and frustration. God, I'm confused on what to do. God, I'm afraid of what could happen. God, I'm frustrated that you let this happen. You got those questions, anybody else? I'm sure Mary did. But what strength, what resolve, what humble faith. She stepped into the risk. She opened herself to whatever God had for her. So it's no surprise to me that this woman is the mother of Jesus. Because Mary's son, Jesus, he too had this same sort of strength and resolve and humility. So let's zoom forward in Luke's gospel to chapter 22. This chapter tells of the night Jesus was betrayed and arrested, ultimately leading to his death a few days later. And Jesus knows this trial is imminent. He knows it's coming. So just before he's betrayed and arrested, 
He's in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. And listen to how Luke records this. Jesus withdrew from his disciples about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to Jesus an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, Jesus prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. So you see here, Jesus is facing God's calling on his life. Jesus is coming face to face with God's calling for him to go to the cross. And does this calling burden Jesus? You bet it does. Fear and angst and anxiety swirl in his soul so powerfully, he, quote, sweats great drops of blood. And so Jesus asks, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. In other words, Father, I don't want to do this. This is terribly scary and painful. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Where do you think Jesus learned to pray like that? Where do you think Jesus learned to live before the Father like that? His mama. Not my will, but yours. When I'm scared, when I'm confused, when I'm frustrated, when I don't want to do what you want me to do, not my will be done, but yours. I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And that's exactly what Jesus did with strength and courage like his mama. He accepted the calling of the Father and he marched with strength and courage like never before. He marched to Calvary for the likes of you and me. And now he is calling us. Keep on marching. Embrace the cross. Stay on the path to Calvary. Accept your calling. Declare your identity. Like Mother Mary, I am a servant of the Lord. Church, this is God's word for us. When he calls, he provides. He will not fail. He will be there. Look to the cross. Your circumstances, there is going to be so much evidence in our lives. God's not here. Death, destruction, sickness, all these things are going to communicate to us. God's not here. 
He's forsaken you. All these voices, like Jim said. And so we got to look up. Look to the cross. Look beyond the cross to the empty grave for proof that when God calls, he provides. And when he calls, we respond. We open ourselves to him. Just because the cross and the empty grave are there and we see them doesn't make it easy. When God calls, we respond. we got to open ourselves to him. It's scary to live like this. You feel safe behind fists. You feel safe closed up. This is tough. He's calling us to surrender. He's calling us to open up to what he has for us. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is too hard for him. Your broken marriage, your difficult kids, your persistent addictions, your financial losses, your recurring shame, your failing body, your bitter grief, your unspeakable tragedy. Nothing is impossible for him. So Lord, help us believe. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Father in heaven, I say again, we're gathered here in the name of the crucified King. And we're reminded this morning, Father, the need for broken bread, which stands for his broken body and that gruesome cross because our world is broken and we lament this Father our hearts are so heavy as we see in the faces of those parents ourselves as we see in the faces of those children our children our hearts are weighed down Father, we're gathered here too in the name of the risen King. We're gathered here before you with whom nothing is impossible. And one of those not impossible things we want you to do, Father, is bring good out of this terrible tragedy. Somehow. Come, Father. And do the kind of crazy redemptive work only you can do. Taking what Satan meant for evil and using it for good. Turning lives toward you. Turning a community towards you. Turning a region towards you. So we come, Father, humbled. Along with so many across this region this morning. Crying out to you and taking hope in you. Father, there's a big thing going on across this region, but there's also big things going on in each one of our lives. There's big things going on in this church. Friends who've died this week from COVID. Relatives who've died this week from car accidents. Marriages broken. Depression growing. We need you to do the big things across a big scale, but we need you to meet us right here now in our hearts. 
and help us to hear the words of the angel Gabriel, which came straight from heaven's throne. Do not be afraid. And Father, like Mary, may each one of us, like Jesus, may each one of us step forward in strength, continue to follow you, Lord, we need your help. So come, Holy Spirit, as we continue to express our faith and declare the truth of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.